Hello everyone and welcome to the Doom Productions podcast, a podcast hosted by Doom Productions. I'm Jordan. And I'm Ethan. And today we're here to talk about one of those questions that I think every young filmmaker asks themselves uh, at some point in their career, in their lifetime, well, you know, early in their career especially, which is uh, how do you find your voice as a filmmaker? Yeah. What is your voice? What does it mean? Um, how do I stand out among my peers and what makes filmmakers different from other filmmakers? Mm-hmm. So I guess, Ethan, I'll throw this one out to you because <laughs> I know you've thought about this one end. all day. Yep, all day. Marinating in this question. I live and breathe this question. We did not just figure out this episode five minutes ago. Never. We've been thinking about this one all day. Um, <laughs> when did you find your voice as a filmmaker? I'm still finding my voice as a filmmaker. I, I mean... Here, let's rewind. Rewind the clock. Okay. Um, and this this goes for all art forms, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're starting out in anything, whether that's filmmaking or painting, uh, photography, music, all of it, you start out not knowing much because you're new to it. And so what do you do? What's How do you learn more? You look to other people who have been doing this before you. You look to... In filmmaking's case, you look to other filmmaking directors. Like, mm-hmm. you might watch some Steven Spielberg or some Michael Bay or some, um, I don't know, Matt Reeves. Anyone, anyone, whoever you're watching, mm-hmm. Maya Deren. Um, you're gonna watch these people's Thank you movies. For the shout out. <laughs> you're gonna watch these people's movies, and you're gonna get inspired and think, "Wow, I want to do what that person's doing." And then, kind of naturally, you'll start watching more stuff. Um, but you get to this point when. Again, you're trying things out for the first time, and more likely than not, you're not coming up with your own ideas yet on what your movie's going to be like. More likely than not, you're copying what you're seeing to an mm-hmm. extent. You're trying to make your movie as close as you can to a Spielberg movie, because mm-hmm. that's your point of reference, that's what you're inspired by, so that's what you're trying to emulate. Um, and that's great. That's a super healthy, normal place to start out in. That's not bad. It's not bad to copy what you see other filmmakers do. Um, I don't see any issue with that. Um, but over time... And, and even yeah. people with voices, too, Yeah, they've talked about, like, you got to steal from people you love. Or oh, films yeah. you love or mm-hmm. filmmakers you love. It, we do it, it. It's just a natural part of the process. You're going to see something that inspires you, and you'll want to either do it or riff on it or expand on it. It's just natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, you'll, as you make more films, as you're copying more things, as you're building on your experience, over time, naturally, you're going to start to find things that you like doing. You might either, based on something you've already done or seen someone else do, and you'll start taking it into a different direction that is your own. Or you'll find something unexpectedly that's going to become part of your voice. Whether, like for us, I'll Mm -hmm. use us as a good example. When we started making movies more regularly, there was a point where you were at a film camp and you learned that um, circle aspect ratio was a totally valid thing. You could use circles in your movies instead of a square or a rectangle as you're framing. Mm -hmm. And from there, you started using it in some of your short films. And over time... We've kept playing with aspect ratio um, in different ways, whether that be just our movie as a whole is in a different aspect ratio than 16 by 9, um, or it changes throughout the movie. uh, And a bunch of our movies have that to a different degree. Um, But over time, we've kind of tried to make ourselves the aspect ratio guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Another example is lighting. We use colored gels a lot, and sometimes we'll apply specific colors to different characters. Obviously, we're not the first people to do this, mm-hmm. but it's become a, a staple of a lot of our work to where, again, if you watch a lot of our movies, you'll notice that's a common characteristic, and you can kind of pick out our movies from a crowd by usually the aspect ratio and the colored lighting. And that's just a part of our voice now. And that's a funny one, too, because yeah. I wasn't... When I think of myself and my voice as a filmmaker, I mean, for a long time, I didn't think of, like, the colored gels as being a part of it like yeah. in my head i almost pictured like um uh, like for whatever reason in my head i just associated my own style with black and white a lot oh yeah 
for we did that for reason. a good chunk yeah because I, I i i do love black and white cinematography i mm-hmm. really like that um i'm not or i guess i i thought that like yeah black and white's kind of my thing i'm just using gels and stuff for now just because fits the project fits what i'm going for here mm-hmm. but i had this preconceived notion of what like my style was or anything and then I can't remember what, at what point it was, but then at a certain point I was like, wait a minute, that movie uses color gels? That movie does too? That movie, all of these movies, all for, I think the majority of the movies I've directed since the gospel, maybe yeah. even Black Coffee to an extent. Black Coffee had a little bit, a but little it wasn't bit. extreme. It was more black and white than anything. Yeah, more exactly my point, more yeah. black and white there. Um, they've all used heavily like gelled lighting very stylized neon kind of look and mm-hmm. at a certain point i was like oh i guess that's just what i like if that's my go-to if that's my default i guess that that is my voice and mm-hmm. i don't have a problem with it i wasn't like oh my gosh how terrible of me how dare i <laughs> i betrayed black and white cinematography that was just like but, oh yeah. i just i i really love using making stuff really heightened and and kind of stylized it with gel lightings and all that kind of and stuff. And when you use color, it a lot of it is still monochromatic because mm-hmm. we use just blue in a lot of scenes That's or true. just red and to mm-hmm. the point where it's just reds to black, mm-hmm. which is still monochrome. So yeah. not quite black and white, but it, it it's close enough. But I, think... I still think it fits within what we do. Again, our stuff is very heightened reality, dramatic, mm-hmm. a lot of contrast. We love shadows. I, th- <laughs> I think what your voice is can change too. Hundred percent. Because look at a. I'm trying to think of a director like. I don't know. I can't think of anything. I know. I can never think I'm of so good directors brain dead when these I. Days when it comes yeah. to thinking about movies, uh, who's a popular director? Jeez, um, who's been working for a long time? Gosh. Okay. I guess Scorsese. He's like the big dog. Yeah. All of his movies do feel the same, but I mean, something like Silence feels very different from Goodfellas or oh, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street. And, um, I don't know, like, King of Comedy. That was him, right? King of Comedy. I don't remember. The one where it's Robert De Niro who's obsessed with the talk show host. Maybe. Whatever that one is. uh, Those movies are all very different from each other, and he made them at different points in his life. So, obviously, what he was interested in and how he liked doing it is is very different from each other. Mm -hmm. But I guess he does have, like, kind of this tendency to lean in towards very kinetic camera movements and... The kind of gangster mm-hmm. East Coast setting and characters, and using pop music or uh, pre-recorded, you know, needle drops and all that. Yeah, that's his kind of what he leans into. Yeah, what's um, funny is voice isn't that usually that complicated. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to like distilling a director's voice down, it's not like this vast like soul-searching thing. Mm-hmm. It's like. Which is kind of great. I feel like as an as a creative, if I want to try on new voices in terms of like what I want to be making, I don't need to like change who I am. No. I can just like I can make a movie where I want to have needle drop moments, mm-hmm. um, but I can still keep other things. Or I can try swapping things in and out. Um, it's not like you're using tiny Lego pieces. It's like you're building with Duplo. It almost feels like like the big yeah. bl- the big bricks, where you're not having to disassemble your entire being yeah. to change your voice. It's like oh, I'll just swap this part out for this, and like, in my next movie, I'll swap this part out instead. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I think sometimes it can be complicated. It's. Com- I feel it's complicated to describe what it is, but actually mm-hmm. finding it seems. I think it's a lot more straightforward than um, than you would think. I mean. Yeah. I think the best way to find your voice is maybe, I don't know, take a script or maybe, uh, yeah. So if you took a script mm-hmm. or an improv prompt, rather, like we do yeah. with Holly Hargraves. Yeah, her um, competition. What yeah. Holly did was she sent a bunch of filmmakers the exact same prompt for like a scene, a scenario, situation, and she said, go make this, do whatever you want. It's, the, it's an experiment. She's done two of these, I believe, so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And everybody gave, filmed their video, sent them to her, and she compiled them into one video. And if you look at each one, they are all vastly different from each other. And, that's, and those differences are their voices, mm-hmm. essentially, in their movies. Or maybe a less elaborate example would be, go out right now and shoot a, shoot a shot 
shoot like three no just shoot one shot of a friend or a human being that's close to you in your proximity <laughs> go out and film a human being if you no like one else around shot yourself <laughs> and look at that shot and yeah. and just kind of don't think about it before you do it just go out and shoot it shoot one that looks good to you film something that looks good to you just a close-up or a medium wide doesn't matter um film it and then if you were to compare your shot to my shot or ethan's shot or or Haldi's shot or any other filmmakers yeah they th- those differences again that's how your that's what your voice is mm-hmm. like one of us could do a super tight shallow depth of field close-up of an eye Someone else did maybe did like a close up where it's totally from the profile where they're on the far right side of the screen. Someone else could have done direct close up on the front of the face, dead center. Someone could have framed that human off center. Someone could have not even gotten someone's face. It's just their feet or just their hands. Um, it's kind of your tendency. Like when you're not thinking about filmmaking, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like what's your what's your go to? I guess it's almost like what's your cheat code? What's yeah. your filmmaking cheat code? When you're like, oh shoot, I gotta come up with an idea for how I'm gonna shoot this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I can do gel lighting really good. I don't yeah. have to think about it. Um, like I I know in in our I, my mind goes to Video Carnage, our feature mm-hmm. film we shot uh, last year, where that has a lot of neon lighting in it. But the ways that I would just light a scene without thinking were most mm-hmm. of the times how I did it because again we were moving pretty quick for a lot of it particularly like I think of like the climax of the movie or just certain parts of it that were very not rushed but we we had to just kind of keep a good pace had a time I didn't have time to, to yeah. like spend five hours crafting the light so yeah. I would just go on okay what do I know looks good what do I prefer shooting what and that you know as I did scene after scene after scene that just became the look of the movie um and there's a million ways you could have shot video carnage, but again, the way we did it is, I feel like, was a great. It worked out well for the piece, and it fit all together. But again, that was just our voice, and again, it came out of just I knew I could shoot like light and shoot the scenes in that particular way. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, obviously with your direction as well as the main director, like you would have obviously said if something wasn't right. But and we, we talked shot, about it. But. I don't know if we've talked about this, but we shot for maybe like an hour or two. Remember mm-hmm. the very first day of shooting? I do remember. It was even before, like, the principal... This was, like, maybe a week or two before the actual principal photographer began. Yeah. We shot for, like, an hour, and I was like, this isn't right. We need to call it. Yeah. Because... And the main problem was, I have these giant skylights in my room. Mm-hmm. It was filling oh, the room right. with light. Uncontrollable light. <laughs> and the scene was just totally day. It didn't look moody. It didn't look neon. It didn't look... I, it, didn't it looked look, like a Sunday morning. Yeah, it looked very <laughs> uncharacteristic to Video Carnage. Yeah. So we we stopped. I put the tin foil up. <laughs> and, and the rest was history. And the rest is history. And then we made Video Carnage. Yeah. Um, we blacked out every window in this room because even like your sliding door over here that has the glass, we covered that up with tin foil. Yeah. And what's here's what's <laughs> funny. This is a side note. Total derailment of this conversation. Yeah. I. Learned the hard way last year. If you have your tinfoil up for a long time, you get a little bit of mold. Yeah. Not a lot. Like it's there. A manageable amount. It wasn't even. It didn't damage anything. It was just a thin layer on top of the the kind of. I don't know what you call the inset of the windows. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sir, I don't know why you're so upset. It's just a thin layer of mold on your food. It's fine. (laughs) You just. It it took off. Like I sprayed it down with all the you know stuff. Wiped off. It's fine. There was no big damage, but. Because of that, I don't put tinfoil up in the uh, in the winter because yeah, it's, it's just too cold here. A few weeks ago, it was like 80 degree weather, 70s, pretty consistent mm-hmm. for most of the week. And I was like, okay, it's springtime, right? I'm putting yeah. tinfoil up because I can control the lighting and otherwise... The sun it... would bake all the mold anyway. Yeah, yeah it's good. exactly. But now, that was a fluke week because yeah. it is now it snowed last week mm-hmm. and now it's rainy and now I'm too lazy to bring down the aluminum foil because i just love it too much yeah the dark is our home what's it the uh the hobbits and or the the dwarfs and the hobbit he's like we like the dark or whatever in the beginning you merely adopted the dark but i was born in it i know it's anyways um voices 
our voice as filmmakers. Yes, this is my voice. <laughs> I oh here's <laughs> as you were talking about video carnage and some of that style. Yeah, like being a result of being not rushed, but like having to get through things pretty quickly. The necessity of the project. Yeah, yeah, I, that makes me wonder if we did have like a bigger budget and if mm-hmm. we did, you know, if we had a whole day set aside not for twenty scenes, but yeah. for three scenes. Yeah, you know, like a big Hollywood yeah. movie. Would our style be the same, or would it be different? Will we change? Well, okay. What's interesting is um, I've heard this in a lot of interviews from different DPs and cinematographers and grips and such. Like, and I, and I love it because it makes me feel a lot better about how we run things. Yeah. Because when they talk about specifically, and this is specific towards lighting. Yeah. It's they talk about how like lighting is still one of the places where you can bring like the crappiest equipment and they'll use like they'll use like the 20 cent chinese lantern kind of thing like paper lanterns um all the time on sets like they'll just find stuff that looks interesting or and for like their lighting and they'll they'll still totally use it because i feel like i mean everything is so industrialized in hollywood and Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a correct thing to use for everything but with lighting there's still so much like freedom and play they'll just they'll they'll use whatever they'll be like oh yeah i found this plastic wrap that if i wrap around my light five times it looks it gets the right look so that's what we use for the whole movie and Mm -hmm. it'll be like a big hollywood movie and it's like oh that's so cool but so all that's a saying i think lighting wise maybe we'd use nicer lights that didn't you know that weren't quite so crappy but like at the same time i think our big value whenever we talk about oh if we had more time that usually would be more time to talk with our actors and make sure we worked through scenes with them more. I don't know. And maybe that would change something for us in a style over mm-hmm. time. But again, like the voice, your voice comes out of a, like a repeated habit and pattern. I feel like that you go towards. So mm-hmm. with a new opportunity like that, I think new patterns and habits would change and we'd pick those up. Um, and they would, maybe it would change our voice. I don't know. But I think starting out, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I remember two instances when we did the climax of Video Carnage mm-hmm. and when we were in Chicago last year doing the short film challenge. Yeah. So if you weren't aware, last Chicago we – or last last, last year, year. We went out to Chicago with the RC Films boys and met up with the 922 Films crew. Some folk filmmakers. This was the first big meetup. On yeah. the last day we were there, we did like a little short film challenge. The idea was yeah. like go out and shoot a short film set in the Chlorine universe – Come back in... An oh, hour. Oh, oh, it was an hour. hour. Yeah, one hour. Uh, and that'll be it. So I directed one of the shorts. You were the cinematographer, the other one. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, I was like, okay, I don't want to do a lot of post work. I don't want to do a lot of work in general. I want to be able to just show the take, and that's the movie. Yeah. So it's a one-take thing, pretty much. There's yeah. two shots in the movie. There's one cut in the movie, but it's two shots, really, with the last shot just being kind of a little epilogue tag at the end Mm -hmm. so that's why that was in one take because i was there's a time crunch i wanted to be get all the information just in one shot and then i think back to video carnage where that was intended to be spoilers if you haven't seen video carnage yeah you'd like to see it go watch it now so you're not spoiled there's a sequence though where may our um the lead character in the time or sam the lead character at the time Mm -hmm. is going through a house and originally because I because of scheduling, because of time crunch and all that stuff, yeah. The, the sequence was originally supposed to be lots of shots throughout the house of say May enters the room, cuts to another shot. May goes through the room, cuts to another shot. May looks through the room and then leaves the room. I guess standard coverage. Standard how you describe coverage it? Kind of yeah. Thing. Because of the time crunch kind of thing and kind of like you talked about, I was like, okay, how do we up the ante a little bit more? How do one what would feel right for the movie and two what can we realistically get done? And that was uh, one shot, pretty much. Yeah, broken up into some chunks, but it was very little cutting. But the original, but so I guess this isn't the original original idea. the The next idea for that climax was to have it all shot within one take. Mm-hmm. May starts at the beginning of the house, goes through the very top, and that's that's a one take thing. Yeah, that was the original idea. Not the original, but, like, the yeah. second idea. Then we went with the third idea, which is, okay, we can't do the entire house, mm-hmm. so we're going to do each level. Yeah. So level one, that's one take. Level two, that's another take. Level three, mm-hmm. that's another take. And then that was the idea behind that 
And so I don't consider oneers to be a part of my style necessarily or my voice, but mm-hmm. that's certainly what I go to when I'm on a time crunch is like, let's They're just effective. get it all in one shot. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, I, I bet every filmmaker feels like that, though. Yeah. I imagine. That's probably not a rare thing. But not all of them have the guts to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they Birdman, they were on a time crunch. So they were like, yeah, let's just get it all. We only got Michael Keaton for three days. We got to go. <laughs> we got to go with this one. Um, I feel like for dram- for more narrative stuff, I do... F- well, and then we did Ready, Set, Smile years ago. Yeah, that was another one-take short film. I feel like for dramatic scenes or narrative films, I have a slight tendency to do oneers because I like to make every cut mean something. Mm-hmm. But then there's the... As you were giving me advice on the bell rings, you're like, the, the less cuts you can do in this movie, the better every scene would be a... What if we could do this in one take? I exactly. think we could do this in one take. We should do it in one take. You were right. I mean, you were right, but... <laughs> um, but that's also like... I don't know. That's also practical, kind of logistical kind of thing. That's also like what I like in... From a narrative film versus like a more... Because I don't consider myself a huge narrative filmmaker necessarily. Like, I like narrative and I can do it, but... That's not what I'm personally interested in as much. Yeah. So, but anyways, your voice is, it's a, it's a tricky thing. To, well, it's not tricky to find. It's just whatever your instinct is. But talking about it is. It's tricky. very out there when you're talking about it, it feels like, even though it doesn't have to be, but it, it always gets out there at some one, point. Once you start trying to define it, it gets really messy and it's like, well, do I, am I a one take kind of director where I like doing everything's in one take or is that are those just flukes or no director wants to put themselves in a box exactly so. <laughs> yeah it's like i labels are um labels are good labels are sometimes good sometimes bad but in this case it's just confusing to think about yeah uh in terms of uh filmmaking and who you are because your voice is your identity yeah at the end of the day it's how you see it's how you craft a movie and whatnot um and also the types of movies you make, too, or the types of stories you tell. Mm-hmm. That's also another thing. Because I'm sure, like, a famous example is George Lucas, right? Mm-hmm. George Lucas started out in kind of um, direct cinema, cinema verite, experimental movies when he was in film school. And THX is a pretty out there movie. I mean, it's pretty, like, it's not crazy, like, wild or anything. But it's... Definitely not as, like, accessible as something like Star Wars. No. Or American Graffiti. But he's been known to be this, like, champion of, like, the Joseph Campbell uh, hero's Mm -hmm. myth and the traditional Hollywood blockbuster. Like, he's known for that. But I know that deep down he's a pretty, like, when you hear him talk about cinema and filmmaking, he's got, like, a experimental filmmaker's brain. Yeah. So I'm not sure what he would say his voice is. Whereas I think other people would say, well, your voice is traditional myth and mm-hmm. narrative and symbolism and mythology. Yeah. Whereas he might agree with some of that. He might personally feel that, oh, I think it's right. actually editing. That's what I'm best at and, and um, pushing boundaries and all that kind of thing. All of his, We have to wait for his secret films to come out before we can really pin down his voice. I know. If that ever happens. But Maybe yeah, one day. Um, that's, I mean, I think that's a better, maybe a more complicated example, but famous example, because yeah. most people know who Mr. Lucas is. No, that's a, that's a perfect example, I think. And yeah, and I think, th- I'm, I wonder if filmmakers would agree that there, you have two voices. There's the voice you think you have and the voice people say you have. And the voice you want. And the voice you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I maybe always you have three. Want, for big directors, if I ever met like a huge director, the questions I would ask them is, what do you think your best movie you've made is? What's your favorite movie? And what's your favorite movie that you've made? Because they're very, they're different answers. Oh, yeah. They're not the same. No. Because um, you can think, because like, your best is like, what do you think it was like? Uh, an achievement. An yeah. achievement. I made this. It accomplished this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like it. And it had this impact, blah, blah, blah. But my favorite movie is, mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. Totally. Um, 
Yeah. No, I've been... Yeah, George Lucas. I've been... He's someone I'd love to talk to. <laughs> Speaking of directors. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but that's... I don't know if you have more you want to talk on on that, but... Again, fi- yeah, I mean, it is just that, though. Like, finding your voice is a, a thing that just takes time. Like, you're not going to find it overnight. Yeah. I mean, some people, I think... But I do think there are people out there who it comes easier than others. Like, I yeah. think there's some people who, like, know what they want, and it, it's fewer steps for them to get there. Mm-hmm. And other people, it takes them time just to kind of figure out what they want. Other people, they just change and shift, and not one thing pins them down. And there's no wrong or right answers to any yeah. of this. It's not like you need to find your voice and know what it is, be able to articulate it in five sentences. Like, no one's going to hold you a gun at gunpoint and ask you that. I would just say, if you want to find your voice, just make a lot of movies, yeah. first and foremost. That's all you need to do, is just make a bunch of stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, don't just... don't worry about what your voice is. Just make stuff mm-hmm. It'll how happen. you want to make it, and you'll find it yeah. eventually. Yeah. Quantity is your friend at the beginning of making stuff. And if it's... you're, I guess, further into your filmmaking journey, and you don't know what your voice is, I don't know, just... Again, make something that excites you, mm-hmm. that you'd want to see, and that's probably a pretty good indication of what that would um, what that would look like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and also when you're cutting corners, that that might be where your voice is too. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it is for us. Yeah, <laughs> and it's ex- it's exciting when I mean whether you're starting out on your filmmaking journey or you are at a pivot point. Because mm-hmm. we were, I think we were in a pivot point in 2020. Obviously, that oh was a yeah, huge pivot for us into. From short films now. to features, yeah. And I feel like every year since has been a pivot point because it was like, okay, 2020 was like, we we can do this. We can do features. And then 2021 was like, okay, video carnage, bell rings, all these other things. How do we go big? Yeah. yeah. And now this year, there's even some more exciting stuff happening. So, yeah. Um, and next year is going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. It's our 10-year anniversary next year. We're taking the year off. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll uh, I mean, I guess stay tuned if you're you want to know what big plans we have for next year but you know we'll we'll keep you updated yeah anyways now comes the section in our show where we talk about uh what are you watching yeah what are you watching so i'll well should we should we do we want any little things to address before the big thing um let me pull up my uh my phone here and like to see what i've what i watched i know last night i rewatched bo burnham's inside Mm-hmm. which was really fun. Um, Still never I, seen that. It's, or it, any of his specials. Honestly, it's a great place to start. I think you'd dig it. I love... He's got a lot of aspect ratio play. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Um, but then other than that, I watched this little horror film that came out in 2020 called The Night House. Um, the Lighthouse? The Night no, House? No, it's The Night House. Okay. Um, and it was it was pretty interesting. It wasn't like this kind of big blow your socks off kind of horror movie it was pretty like quiet and like condensed um it was interesting though i yeah it was it was interesting to check out if you're a horror fan i think you'll you'll dig it so um but i don't have a ton else to talk about besides the movie so what have you seen um lots of animated stuff it's been a weird um (coughs) weird well it's been a while since we did one of these because of the last, because I think last time I talked about SpongeBob, which yeah. was the third, and then so from like the eighth to the to now, it's been like, how long has that been? About two weeks, almost. Well, no, not two weeks, almost two weeks. But yeah. I've been watching a lot of animated stuff because it's just been like, at work we show. I mean, I use a lot of showing Disney clips and songs and stuff to help teach with the I have a lot of like English language activities that I do so I use a lot of that so nice lots of like Disney stuff so like Encanto um Atlantis Treasure Planet those like, are all quality yeah. I need to rewatch Treasure Planet that one's been a long time since fun, I've seen yeah it's fun stuff and so I've been watching it because it's just I don't know there's something comforting about animation movies oh yeah I saw the new Harry Potter, or the oh. Fantastic Beast ones. How was that? I liked it. Cool. It was good. Yeah. I have not, but I need I need to re... I think I need to re-go through at least the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first one a lot more than the second one, so... Yeah, that's a... It's a fun... I mean, I like... 
I grew up on Harry Potter. That's mm-hmm. like my it's those books, those movies, um, and I wish there was more Harry Potter like like movies or shows or something out there. Kind of like how Star Wars is right now. Yeah, because the mythology and lore of itself is absolutely fascinating, and there's so much potential there. But they keep it pretty limited. It, yeah, and I, it's 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 really only those movies and. To be honest, J.K. is not really the most popular person in the world. <laughs> She's she said some things that uh, yeah, that uh, but the franchise is still kicking. So yeah, franchise is good. So I I'm mean, I'm curious about the video game actually. Just I mean not the actual because they have a Harry Potter game that just yeah, came out. Yeah. The game I actually don't care at all about, mm-hmm. but the world it's set in where it's like the late 1800s yeah. at Hogwarts, like that's yeah. like I want to see that. It looks super cool. That cool. sounds like a neat time period for that to take place in. I'm, this probably won't happen. When I was thinking about this when I was watching the new Fantastic Beast movie, I was like, you know what? I know how to do versions of all these effects that they're yeah. in the movie. Like, technology is so beautiful because it's like we can see a Harry Potter movie and be like, oh, I know how to do that. Or a version of that. Does yeah. it look Hollywood quality? No, but I know how to do a version of that. Yeah. So, like, doing a wizard or witch movie, like, that'd be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like, picture any kind of weird Harry Potter fanfic you'd want to see and, like, you could do it like something like I don't know, like America in the Wild West, and there's like a wizard walking around, mm-hmm. and it's like a gunslinger man with no name, oh, but it just happens to be a wizard. From, that'd be sick in the Harry Potter universe or whatever. Yeah, one of them's like a the one of them's a Death Eater or something. Yeah. Like, well, hey, Death, we should Death Eaters followed Voldemort. Yeah, okay, well, something like that. Okay. <laughs> an evil, that, an evil a wizard. Off. Yeah, I didn't read the book, so I just uh, I just I was a movie only kind of kid. Yeah, books um, were lame. Just kidding. Uh, my heart. <laughs> Just kidding. But no, it's um. I mean, think of, like, I don't know. There'd be there's something there. Yeah. Like doing like a magic witch. I mean, I was planning on doing a witch movie. This uh, yeah, year. I know. I was gonna say you were. But then it was like that got derailed because I was like, oh, there's this other movie. <laughs> like I need to make. But that that witch movie will probably happen. It'll happen someday. Yeah, yeah. That one will happen, but not like. It's not the Harry Potter kind of no, witch. It's like, like Halloween witch. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, some, I don't know, that world is ripe for an awesome feature-length fan film to, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, make something. Oh, yeah. It's totally possible. I'm surprised there hasn't been, because there's been tons of fan films for, like, Star Wars. I, I, I don't know, maybe I just, I'm not in the in the world yet, the but of, like, film, yeah. the, I feel like that's, there's not the same level of, like, mm-hmm. stuff that you see in, from Star Wars fans you see from Harry Potter, or from Harry Potter fans you see from Star Wars fans. But there's so. a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction, though. Yes, a there's tons more. of literature. So, I think that's interesting. What I'm hearing now is we should make a Harry Potter fan film. That's what it sounds in like. In the universe. Or maybe, whatever. maybe. Yeah. I'm down. Or maybe I'll read the books finally. Maybe The Bell Rings is a Harry Potter fan film. I'll just put you that, might be... that idea out there. <laughs> maybe. When you the sky's the, movie, the limit at this point. When you see the movie, just have that in the back of your head. This could be set in the Harry Potter universe. I guess. <laughs> I guess, actually. Oh, shoot, you're winning me over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyways. We saw, or I saw, yeah, the new Fantastic Beasts. I liked it. It's pretty good. Yeah, nice. Um, but the big movie we saw, mm-hmm. this was... Hello Kitty 3. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Have they made Hello Kitty movies? I have no idea. I'm sure they have. It was just the first thing that came to my brain. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. It was honestly terrible. <laughs> just kidding. Again, I'm you don't. Just, you know us. You know we never. You know we don't movie. do that. We don't do that. And you, if you've seen Everything Everywhere All at Once, you know that movie is right up our alley. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about it. Let's let's give some because we've only t- chatted a little bit about it. Yeah, last, on a Zoom call. Last so. Week. Yeah. Where do where do you even begin? Where I feel like to begin. I feel like before it's I have to say it's overwhelming this movie mm-hmm. to like even put into words like how much yes. I think we both enjoyed it. Yes. And how much we relate to it. How many times have you seen it? I've only seen it once. Okay, I cool. Saw I'm it, glad I've, I've like okay, same. I almost saw it twice. I've I've been meaning to go again. Same. But um I just haven't had the time. But that's one I will absolutely be buying when it, once it releases. 100%. Um, but, yeah. So, I think the first thing I texted you after I saw it, because I saw it Friday or Thursday night. You saw it just out. a couple days before me. Yeah. And I was like, this is the most Doom Productions movie ever. 
Yeah. Not to sound egotistical, but like in it's, a way of like not it's like so us like personality it appeals to us yes. in a way that nothing else could. Not like we're just as good as them, or they stole our movie, or no. like this is no, 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 no. we're the only good people who make movies, and this is the close thing to no, no, no. It like it appeals. talks to our soul. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That style of filmmaking. Yeah. Um. And it absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. <laughs> and it's like where to begin. I think. Gosh, if someone's like, should I see this movie? Like, I had this conversation it. yesterday. Oh, what did you I say? had this conversation okay, yesterday. Let's role play here. I'm like, okay, Ethan, did you see any new movies? Yeah, I saw this awesome movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once, okay. and it's super amazing. And what's uh, good about it? Why should I see it? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> What did I say? Because this is, again, the hard part is when you're telling non-movie people about a movie, yeah. when it speaks to you so much as a movie person, like, yeah. that's where I, like, was, like, having a hard time just articulating, but I was, like, there's so much variety to this movie mm-hmm. in terms of it's got crazy action, mm-hmm. it's got a very great, like, intimate story uh-huh. that totally stands Again, outside of the action of the movie, like could be a very compelling movie, mm-hmm. but you throw in all this craziness on top of it. Um, I told them like, it, like, dude, this movie's not gonna be in theaters very long, probably, mm-hmm. and it's already super limited. So I was like, just take the risk and enjoy it because it's not you're not gonna have many opportunities to go see it anyways on the big screen. That's where this movie belongs. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I and. Again, all the stuff that I cared about, I was, like, trying not to say because I, I was probably not going to win over any votes on saying the aspect ratio changes are incredible. <laughs> yeah. Even though that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, aspect ratio. I think, to put it simply, uh, it was a movie that only, like, the experience of this thing could only be experienced as a movie it's cinema like, it's pure cinema if it was if it was a book it wouldn't be the same if it was a comic it wouldn't be the same yeah it was the fact that it was a movie that told the story in a way that only could be done in cinema yes the fact that it had a compelling narrative on top of that it was a chair on top for me because mm-hmm. i'm again i've talked about this before i'm not personally like the story is king. It must have a perfect structure. It must... Three acts and... Yeah. Three act, all that stuff. Like, I'm very forgiving when it comes to, like, the actual narrative or story. Because to me, cinema is not story. But if it can include a compelling narrative, that's awesome. That's a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it, it seemed like the formal qualities of cinema, like, it valued that just as much as it did the story interweaving like this kind of narrative and these moments in time and again in a way that only cinema could do Mm -hmm. um never sacrificing i don't think the the um the tech the editing or the craziness that was going it never sacrificed the narrative for that only to enhance it Mm -hmm. like it like it i could see someone saying that it just was too much it was too wild it it was unfocused. It was, it was. It should have focused on this more. It was just too crazy. Like it, not enough substance. And to that, yeah. I'd say like, it's this is a movie. That's what the substance of a movie is. Is that yeah. stuff that makes it uniquely cinema. Yeah. Um, because they're doing things again. They're playing with time and space in a way that you can only do in movies through the wild editing way that this movie does and it pushes the boundaries i mean you can't have i mean this narrative stretches in one minute you're in like a wong kar Wai movie mm-hmm. a second later you're in a kung fu action movie then the next minute you're in a lesbian romance with hot dog fingers yeah. movie and then you're in this office with this kung fu act. like yeah. there's so many different places this movie takes you within a span of seconds and yeah the techniques it uses are just aesthetically so pleasing to look at mm-hmm. and watch. And you can track. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're being bombarded to the point where you can't understand no. the movie. Like, you track. And it's like, it's that healthy amount of, like, I understand this, but I don't understand this, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Like, we don't need to know. Like, they never explored the, the slight spoilers. They never explained the exact causality 
between the universes. Yeah. So in the movie, they travel. It's it's takes it's place multiverse, between multiverses. Yeah. But the things that took place in, say, the Prime universe mm-hmm. seemingly affected things in another universe. Mm-hmm. They never explained that, but they didn't need to. No. Because by showing us these, um, I guess, a progression of emotions. I mean, I'd say those moments in time, those scenes and action moments, those were linked not through necessarily narrative or logic or anything, but through emotions. Mm-hmm. And it showed us kind of... It didn't matter that we didn't know exactly how this affected that, but what mattered was that this person was feeling this, and here's how it was progressing throughout time and space, regardless of how it's connected. So we're get we're left with this kind of montage of feelings in a way, yeah, uh, of mood and tone, rather than logically this happens and this happens and this and this is why that happens. But it's it's an experience mm-hmm. that it's so unique could only be done in, in a movie it's uh, yeah it's it's incredible and I, I i don't know where to yeah like and it's hard also we're doing i guess a slightly non-spoiler review but i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's i don't have much more again especially it sucks i've only seen it once because i feel like it's a movie that only benefits from watching it more times yeah because i was so like in it mm-hmm. that like coming out of the movie it's like what do we where do you even begin yeah. again like and so i don't like know this movie by heart yet mm-hmm. even though i feel like i can't live without it now and it has to be a part of me all the time but well, it I, should have always existed but yes yes <laughs> thank god it's here i think technique wise i mean just lean into that i mean again mm-hmm. what are the things that like you, we know it connected to us. Like, aspect ratio for one. What yeah. else did they do in the movie that, like, filmmakers would love? Well, I mean, I, again, I think when I'm a... As a filmmaker, what kind of tickles my brain a lot is seeing things that are done... That are very simple, mm-hmm. but are done so... Executed so well. Mm-hmm. So, again, like, a lot of the editing and cutting is, like, we could easily achieve mm-hmm. a version of that. Yeah. Um, of any, of any number of the things that they pulled off in the, in the wild flash cutty editing, uh, that they would do. Um, it reminded me of, this isn't the same kind of move, but like Looper, you know, yeah. how Looper, when people would time travel, mm-hmm. it's like one minute they were, they were there the next minute they just appeared. Mm-hmm. It was simply just a jump cut. That was all that it yeah. was to make them appear. Like that's such an easy technique that anyone could do. Like filmmaker, mm-hmm. whatever level you're at. This movie had so many of those kinds of tricks mm-hmm. peppered throughout. Yeah. And like, yeah, it just felt so achievable, but done to such a level mm-hmm. that was just above anything else that yeah. I felt like was around it. Um, so again, I'm not saying, oh, it was so e- it'd be so easy to recreate no, no, this. No. I'm saying <laughs> when I watch it, it, it inspires me to try things in a way that is simple, but again, like, so, like, carefully and well meticulously executed. Yeah. And that kind of stuff, like, it's inspiring. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's, as a filmmaker, that's what brought me to a level of, like, this is why I make movies. Mm -hmm. Like, I do it to chase this kind of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, where it's it's going back to, like, the basics of, like, the magic tricks kind of aspect of filmmaking. But at the same time, it's, 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 like, magnified. Excuse mm-hmm. me. It's like magnifying it all at like this mega huge level. Yeah. Um, and it's only a small team of people behind That's it. what's so crazy too. I don't know the exact numbers, so this is like a paraphrase here, but the, the visual effects team behind the movie was like just a couple of people. Like there's and they were all self taught from YouTube. Like they learned every visual effects shot in the movie. There's five hundred visual effects shots in the movie. All of them were done by people who learned how to do visual effects through YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, like, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, isn't that incredible? <laughs> like, these, this, like, massive achievement in filmmaking was done by these people who were self-taught. They're not a big VFX house. Mm-hmm. It's, like, these people who, like, got together and did it for fun with their friends because yes. that's what they enjoyed doing. And that's what every filmmaker is. So, like, mm-hmm. on that level, it's, like, so inspiring. And, and you, like, connect with the filmmakers. You're, yeah. like, I just felt so happy with for them. Yeah. As filmmakers, like no jealousy, no like, no like, oh, should have been me. No, yeah. like it's just like good for you. Like you did you, it. You yeah. made an awesome movie, 
like on your terms with your friends for fun. Like that's mm-hmm. it's just inspiring to see. Well, I feel like one of those kind of next milestones. We've been we've been filmmakers for a long time and been following other filmmakers' journey, mm-hmm. and there are all there have been like these flagpole moments. I feel like that we've been witness to, and I kind of watch people like like Corridor Crew or, or the Rocket Jump guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I think about like when Freddie Wong from Rocket Jump when they got to make video game high school season yeah. one yeah. that was a big deal and, and to watch it go to season three, three mm-hmm. where it was this massive it, it was television yeah. like it was television it was on, that was a lot on youtube for yeah but you could watch it on youtube point. for free yeah so to watch it felt like this was the next step in that mm-hmm. bigger progression of watching these voices who started out in the same place that we're at yeah get to this big level and getting to watch people do that mm-hmm and be in the the YouTube space like as people who make stuff and like to watch someone else who was there get to this level of filmmaking that's like being praised is, mm-hmm. is so cool to see and to watch it be so successful. Yeah. Like you can't not just be so excited for them. Yeah. And again like it's just inspiring. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I'm on top of that great performances. Yeah, it's not even good when I'm talking about the actors yet. Here we're talking about the VFX people. Great, like, message. Yeah. I think everybody who's walked out of the movie has been like, I want to be a kinder individual. (laughs) I want to be a good person. So on top of pushing boundaries of filmmaking, on top of not neglecting Mm -hmm. the technical side of filmmaking, what cinema is, also having a compelling narrative, it's got a good message of just be kind to people. Yeah. (laughs) And it makes people feel those things when they walk out and they're like, I want to be a better person. So it's like, it's got it all. It's got everything. My girlfriend and I, when we were watching it, we were just... In our, like just watching and just kind of lightly sobbing as we're watching the movie. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. She told me specifically to say it on the podcast too. Actually, she was that like, crying. "No, that she was crying." She was like, "Walk out." She's like, "You can mention on the podcast that I cried when I watched this movie." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, it's a good I will. One. I will." And it's like, <laughs> and again, those emotional moments. The the rules of of I guess filmmaking, screenwriting, the rules of like this cynical nature of film discourse and and discussion would tell you that all those emotional beats are cheesy, overdone, Mm -hmm. sentimental, didn't need it, but it works in this movie. Yeah. No, the ties, tying things in a movie emotionally over narratively. Yes. Yes. Always, I feel, pays off better. Yes. So Go, go with the feeling over the narrative or the logic because, I mean, again, light spoilers, but there's a scene where, Kihu Kwan, the mm-hmm. the short round from yeah, we have again. We, what is I halfway through? I realized it was that kid. Uh huh. It's Gizmo saw, from the Goonies. Because I saw the Goonies commentary with video of them. It was like uh-huh. a 30th anniversary of it, and I recognized it from that years yeah. ago. But there's a sequence where he just tells everybody to just be nice to each other, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, because the whole movie isn't again logically narratively. It's not super tight, but it doesn't need to be because everything's mm-hmm. strung together through emotional logic yeah. and visual tonal rhythms rather than the screenplay, play, theater structure about people being upset, people being angry, people being mm-hmm. hurting each other. And then there's this plea, there's this cry, call to the audience and, and, the, and the characters within it like, we need to be kind to each other and we need to change and we need to be nicer. And because we've been taken through that emotionally, it doesn't matter that, you know cynical yeah film twitter people would be like oh that's that's cliche that's um sen- overly sentimental that's cheesy don't do that like yeah it works because again there's not very many movies made like this Mm-mm. designed in this way and that's what i mean makes it so great is it it's got everything in all in this one little package everything everywhere all at once exactly gosh yeah my favorite part was when I, I, I shared a picture on my Instagram story uh, at the theater. And mm-hmm. I just had the ticket marquee. Like, it was all lit up. Super cool. I just took a picture of it. posted, like, oh, I went to go see everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Someone replied with, like, a laughing emoji. I was like, that's so funny. I was like, oh, no, you thought I was saying I was seeing every movie as a joke. No, I, I went to go see everything everywhere all at once. You should go see it, by the way. <laughs> that's funny. That's great. But oh, such a worthwhile movie. Yeah. Um. If it please go see it. <laughs> if it weren't for the you know the big slew of great movies or good looking movies coming out, I'd I'd definitely be seeing it every single week. But yeah, I need to save money. Just yeah, a little bit. that's what sucks right now. Is theater. It, it, it's not playing at a lot of theaters, and 
at least it's playing at Century now, which is this, better. The I had are playing it. I had Regal like passes, so I, I just went to a Regal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like it would have been twenty six bucks for uh, me and my girlfriend to go. So I was like, glad this was free. Yeah, but, yeah, it's a lot. But yeah, it was good. I, but I will. I mean, as soon as it comes out, I'm buying it. And if I get if I have an open night at some point, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check it out again. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, great great movie. Super fun. Go check it out. Um, you know, if you don't like it, it's okay. Thanks for supporting the artists anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to like this movie, but... We just know, really did. We really liked it. And again, similar to last year, because last year, Zack Snyder's Justice came out at the beginning of the year. In and April. we were both like, I don't see how the movie's going to be topped this year. And it didn't. Green Knight got close for us. It was very close. Very they close. They tried. They put in a good effort. But Zack Snyder's Justice League still, you know, came out early in the year, and it was yeah. still the top of our list by the end of the year. Northman's coming out soon. Maybe it'll try. Yeah. It'll but be the same thing again. This but. year, everything, everywhere, all at once. That was the uh, highlight. And that's going to be the movie to beat for us. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anyways. This is like a good little spot to end it on. Unless, it. or oh wait, there's any what you're working on? Oh my gosh, what are you working on? I forgot. There's a whole other segment to this podcast. Look at you. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Well, it's uh, well, some big stuff has kind of been happening. Yeah. Do you want uh, to talk about that? Well, I think. Well, let's talk about your stuff first because I think that's it's a milestone. I'd say in the editing sure. process. Yeah, I showed um, some people a cut of the first half of the bell rings. Yeah. Um, the first. Let's just say it's a the halfway through the movie is a good natural break mm-hmm. that um, is pretty solidified at this point. So yeah, yeah, showed it to firstly Caleb and Nathan from RC Films. They came down and visited us a couple weeks back, and so we were hanging out. And so naturally, I was like, "Hey, you guys want to watch some Bell Rings?" Because no one else had seen it up to that point besides Jordan. Yeah. Um, so we watched that and. It was good. They had some great notes. I was that I was wanting to hear from them anyway, so that was that was perfect. And they, um, yeah, but they seemed to enjoy it, which felt yeah. nice because no, it's just been me seeing the movie. So I've been like, it's nice to sit with other people because it's always that terrifying feeling when you're watching a movie and with other people because mm-hmm. your perception changes when you're watching a movie with people that you've mm-hmm. made. So um, it's very scary, very nerve wracking. Um, but there weren't any points where I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> Which felt good. Um, yeah. Well, it's also, you showed it to Bellamy. And uh, that's lead. where I was going next. So our, our lead actress, like the week after, she was uh, doing some stuff with you. And so I, um, we had made time. And I was like, hey, let's, let's also watch the same, same chunk of the bell ring. So um, she got to watch it and she seemed pretty happy with it. She wasn't like, oh my gosh, take my name out of this movie. So that felt good too. It's always a good sign when the actress doesn't want to disown the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a big, big thing. Yeah. And we're talking about, we're, we're discussing when release dates and stuff and we have an idea of when. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep that to ourselves though. But yeah, for all you people asking, when's the bell rings coming out? Sooner than you think. That's a, yeah, that's a perfect answer. Um, then on my side, there's been a few things. One is that um, started production on our new feature film. Yeah. That's shot for one day, and it's going good so far. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, Ethan's seen some... I, Ethan was not there, because it was kind of a semi-costume test, semi, well, we're here, we might as well just shoot this, because we, it's really easy to do it right now. But yeah. Uh, it's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be wild. It's called La Danza. So the dance in Spanish, mm-hmm. if anyone speaks the Spanish language. Uh, and it's a continue. Well, not a con- It's uh, expansion, I guess, sort of, of the uh, short film we did uh, called End of Consciousness. And, yeah, so shooting has begun. We're in officially in production. Yeah, and that's a project where I would say don't hold your breath on waiting for that one to come out. That's one where I'm really taking my time with that one, um, and allowing the process to, I guess, take as long as it needs to. Mm-hmm. So I have you know, 
a goal of when shooting will be done and all that and when the movie will be done. But if it goes beyond that because of either, you know, circumstances beyond my control or just I want more time to make this movie as good as it can, I'm going to let it do that. Because yeah. for the last few years, it's been make a movie as fast as you can, make something you know you can shoot in a month or two weeks and just do that. And uh, that's been fun. But I want to take my time with this one. And so this so it's I'm at the beginning of a mountain here pretty much. So that's that's fun. Yeah. So when you're you're coming down your mountain, you're going I'm up, going up. So yeah. it's it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to start sh- working on this one. I mean, I know it's gonna be different, and there's some parts I know I won't be a part of just because of again logistics. logistics yeah. But um, man, this movie's gonna be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But so stay tuned for lots of uh, Ladanza updates. The other little things I guess I should put out there is. Well, one of well, first thing is kind of smaller. So we did a movie called Crescendo with um, mm-hmm. RC, RC Boys. Yeah, I recorded the song. Yeah, you did. It sounds awesome. I recorded it. I guess I need. This is where the viewer interaction comes out. I've been debating whether or not to put it on Spotify or just put it on YouTube or, or maybe like do a video on it and have it the song included into it. Like I, I quite don't. I just don't know how to release it. So. I guess I'm asking the audience here, if you're still listening, thank you. But also, uh, how should I release this? Should I do it on YouTube? Should I do it on Spotify? Should I do videos about it? Should, you know, I mean, how? what do you want me to do? Because I'm just trying to decide. But the song is done. It's ready to be, like, uh, released. Yeah. It's just a matter of how do I release it. So that's something I'm trying to think about. And then the other thing is... This is like a deep cut for, I mean, Ethan, not for Ethan. Well, yes, for Ethan, but for the audience. So when we started before the pandemic hit. Oh, man. (laughs) We were going to work on this movie called Simon Follows. Our first feature since Great American Sleepover is what it was going to be. We were, our filmmaking trajectory was in a very different place. But because, you know, we're doing the festival route, we were very film school kind of mind oriented. We were very at a very different place than we are now, and that's a project that's been I've had in my head for since like 2014, 13, mm-hmm. maybe 2012 even. It's been a long time. A long time. Uh, I I have started work on a new version of the script. It's probably like draft like 20 or something. Yeah, for real. But this is going to be the the idea is that's going to be uh, it. That's going to be it. This is so once that drafts is done, we'll start shooting that and working on that. But crazy. And I and that's another one where because it's like such a monumental project for us, I think it's it's like I'm not sure if I don't know. I don't know if we should do like weekly like vlogs for that one or something. Once we start getting things rolling, like yeah. Take you from beginning of the process to the very end like mm-hmm. like have a playlist going on where it's like episode 1 is like I'm writing the script. Here's blah, blah, blah. And I'm just talking about writing the script. And then, you know, a year or two later, how many years it takes to make the movie, like, the very last one is like, we premiered the movie, and this is the... Here it is. Here's the here's us at the premiere. But between that is, like, yeah. every single step of the process, minus spoilers, obviously, but... It'd be pretty crazy. I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. But that's something, so doing some writing, but... Just doing some writing. An idea you've had for, like, a decade. Yeah, we've been talking about this one. Oh forever. gosh, almost a decade. Once you once I saw it on your paper, I was like, oh man, here we go again. I've yeah. seen those words written on the the schedule before. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have we done this dance? I know, long time, long time. <laughs> but I'm always happy when those when when Simon Falls comes up again in conversation. That's always it's a sign good things are coming. That'll be a good one. Whether or not it's actually Simon Falls that's coming, that's we'll always see. the question. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem is we have like the opposite problem of writer's block. We have we too have many, too many ideas. I was thinking. Well, maybe this is a better discussion off off recording, but even during this, I was like thinking about a movie that I've been kind of kicking the ideas around for a bit, and something we talked about mm-hmm. during this, I was like, "Ooh, what if I did this?" And now that's all I'm thinking about right now. Yes, yes. So, but anyways, well, I think that seems like a good place to end it. I think so. Thank you for watching and listening, everyone. If you're following us on Spotify or listening on Spotify, head on over to our YouTube channel to check out some of our feature films and other short films and other videos. If you uh, like this episode and like the podcast, please leave a comment down below. 
like, share, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Any kind of engagement we get really helps out our channel. So if you're a fan of us, that would would really appreciate it. And only takes a little bit of your time. Yeah. Yeah. So until the next episode, hope you have a good week and we'll see you later. 